Folks, with fall on the horizon here in Chico, there is nowhere better to spend an afternoon than the Handlebar. They have a happy hour seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. where you get a dollar off all of their draft beers. They have 28 on tap. They've got a gorgeous patio, a terrific food menu. Again, that's the Handlebar. If you've never been, they're located at 2070 East 20th Street. Again, right here in Chico on the south end of town. Go check out that happy hour. I promise you will not regret it. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema. This is a craft beer and movie show based in Chico, California, and I am Max Minardi. Johnny Summers here. What's happening? This week on the show, we talk Johnny's favorite movie genre, the musical. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Horror, horror. We're covering a new film called Barbarian. Uh, it's an Airbnb stay gone wrong from director Zach Kreger, starring Georgina Campbell and Bill Skarsgård. Campbell, you might know from the Black Mirror episode, Hang the DJ. And Skarsgård is basically world-renowned at this point for portraying Pennywise the Clown in It. Our thoughts on this movie that I agreed to see on the condition that Johnny not make me go alone in just a few minutes. But first... That's right. This week, we're doing two beers from Dwinnell County Ales out of Goldendale, Washington. The first is called Haywire. It is a nectarine saison that clocks in at 4.9%. And the second beer later on in the show is going to be called Brambleberry. It is a blackberry wild ale that is 5.1%. If you are listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, we hope you're having a wonderful Thursday evening. As a quick heads up, you're only going to be hearing the first 30-ish minutes of our show today, which includes the first beer review, the spoiler-free portion of our discussion of Barbarian. But if you are so inclined to listen to the show in its entirety, which includes spoilers for Barbarian, a second beer review, and Hot and Bothered, which is the portion of the podcast where we generally abandon formal structure and just talk about things that have us super stoked or really irritated, Johnny will tell you what to do. Yeah, you're going to find the show in its entirety on the Spotify, the SoundCloud, the Stitcher, the Apple Podcast, etc. We release new episodes every single Friday morning at 7 a.m. and have been doing so since 2016. No big deal. Long time. It is. If you like the show, feel free to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know you did so we can shout you out. And to hang out with us on social media, search Fresh Hop Cinema on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, or Untapped, Or just head over to our website, Fresh Hop Cinema. One key website you've left out of all that, Johnny, is Patreon, which is another thing we've been doing since basically 2016. I think this podcast was going for like two or three months, and then you and I realized that what we do costs money. Mm -hmm. So we reached out to, at that point, I guess just the internet. We didn't have any friends of the show. (laughs) Uh, We do now. Wait, we had friends. (laughs) You and I individually had friends, but you and I as a podcast did not. And that all changed very quickly because we started a Patreon, which is a way for people to support our show on a uh, monthly or episodic basis, whatever you prefer. You can give us a dollar or three or five or $10 per episode. We generally put out about four a month. So if you have heard this show a couple times or if it's your first time listening and you already love it, you can join us on Patreon. Um, Johnny, tell people about some of the perks they get by joining. Yeah, you're going to get a pretty worthwhile return on your investment with some pretty amazing bonus content we record every single week. It ranges from the wild and unknown, just hitting record and drinking beer, which is always fun. Always fun. uh, To themes like how movies are made, movie history, a Mm -hmm. lot of filmmaking stuff. We've done a bunch of beer reviews. Last week, we did all of the hard Mountain Dew seltzers, which was a wild and adventurous journey. Some real trips to Flavortown there. Am I right, guy? Sure. So 
<laughs> all that, plus you're going to be getting invites to events, yeah. exclusive access to the first run of any merch that we do, always goes first to Patreon, as well as bottle shares, mm-hmm. backyard barbecues, pool parties, movie nights, movie nights, bar hangs, all kinds of fun Massages, stuff. yeah, all that Whoa, stuff. Whoa, yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, maybe some some wardrobe changes at said events. You sure. Know. I'm still finishing my beer from our bonus episode today. That we did on Bell's Two-Hearted Ale. Yeah, it's a beer that has a long history on the show. Um, we got to revisit it um, fresher than we've ever had it. So we gave our thoughts on that in what turned into a, a silly goose time. Uh, so that's on Patreon. Um, let's see. Uh, if you're hearing this, it should be up on Monday if you're on Patreon. So if you're just hearing this and you're not on Patreon, you got time to join. You can hear that episode on uh, Bell's Two-Hearted Ale fresh out of the out of the canon, so to speak. And that's patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema. Okay, Johnny Summers, that's our housekeeping out of the way, my friend. Let's talk beers. Um, where did you get our beers for the week? Both beers this week come from SNS Produce, friend Wonderful. of the show. Okay, um, what's what's number one? So number one is Haywire, like I said, a nectarine saison that's 4.9% ABV. It is a blended photo-aged wheat ale conditioned on honey light nectarines. All right, so I've got a bit of a long history on the show of... There it is. Great. Sorry. That's right. Uh, it's keeping it cold. Um, of not really enjoying saisons. And th- there's, <laughs> I love it. Just <laughs> making all Who the cares? noises. <laughs> You're like doing it so in the middle of my sentences that I can't edit around it. So it's okay. Hey man, it's a beer show. We got to open them. Every now and again, I will like, like a, like a, like a hoppy saison or something. But whenever we've had traditional saisons, and this isn't that necessarily, but I tend to skew away from it. It's often because of the yeast profile. It kind of turns me off. So I'm curious about this one being a fruited Saison. Um, like you said, they called it a wheat ale, uh, and there's some hazy middle ground there that you and I aren't super clear on, so we're just probably not going to address it. But it's in our glasses now, thanks to you, and it looks it looks a little bit uh, more yellow than a Saison that I've seen. It looks uh, almost like, a, like some sort of fruited kettle sour. There's a ton of carbonation on the top. That's barely yellow. I guess maybe I'm seeing it from this light behind you and you have the daylight behind me. Yeah. Because from my side. All right. Oh, that is quite different. Yeah. That is more of a. That's like a white grape juice color. We got to work on our lighting consistency in the studio. Telling you. Um, But you've had it. You've tasted it at this point. Do you? Because you like Saison's. Traditionally. Kind of. Yeah. Yep. Okay. No, I like them uh, by and large. You do. Okay. Well, then how does this stack up to what you've had in the past? And bonus for me. Okay. Nectarine is one of my favorite stone I do know that. Yeah. So. Uh, this beer was was tailor made for me, and and nectarines kind of lend themselves to sort of a tartness. So I'm expecting yeah. some of that tartness to shine through, and have this be more of like a tangy, funky, fun time. Oh, you just made a terrible face. We'll get to me in a minute. All right, keep, keep talking. What do you think about this? So I love the color of it. It looks like it's going to be zippy. It's got mm-hmm. just like a. I'm excited about this. It looks refreshing. It looks like something I want to drink. So yeah, it's got that really punchy, pithy just juicy tang like there's mm-hmm. something about a nectarine it's got it's that it's a tangy peach okay it's just it's a, a sour peach it's a sour peach kid okay okay that points deserved fair enough so i i just love them i think they're great and like a white nectarine has this sweet yet subtly tart juicy vibe when you bite into it that's mm-hmm. what i'm expecting out of this and mm-hmm. You get a ton of those nectarine notes shining through, and I think it marries really well with the the saison that they've made. I'm pretty sure I like this beer a lot. I'm pretty off put, maybe not surprisingly. Um, there's there's just something about a traditional saison tang or funk or whatever the word is you want to use mm. that is really really tough for my palate. It's so biting and aggressive, and um, and just like just. Uh, 
just harsh. It's a harsh flavor. And I, I don't know, it's, it tastes to me almost like a, I don't know. I know people put in work to this beer and this is just my personal palate, but it does feel a little bit like a skunk sprayed on a lemon. And then we squeeze that lemon into this glass. Dang. It's not my favorite thing, man. There's some flavors. Like we talk about beers being kind of dirt or earthy, I guess is the nice way of putting it. There's some flavors that objectively described might sound disgusting, but in the world of beer vocabulary is actually kind of a good thing. Mm -hmm. So some people, all that said, like maybe enjoy more of a skunky, urine kind of beer and I'm just not that guy but you do seem to be that guy this is real good okay can you talk a little bit about the points that I'm thinking are bad like like some of that funkiness that is jumping out to me like what does that seem smooth to you or do you like the aggressive punch of it uh, I'm interpreting that that kind of skunkiness as there's definitely some hops in this so I'm you know picture this in your ma- mind as like a hoppy fruited saison because that's yeah. hops. You're getting that. Yeah. yeah. That, okay. That's that, that changes it a little bit. Yeah. That hoppy bitterness mixed with the tanginess of the fruit and the the yeast profile of the saison is creating this thing, where you've got some earthy, dirt, musty notes with that bright kind of almost citrusy uh, stone fruit splash, and then you get like the yeast profile. It's giving mm-hmm. it that that the funk, and I think it it kind of ties it all together. It's a really clean drinking experience. It. It's punchy and bright right in the middle to the front of your tongue, and then it kind of just disappears. It's really not lingering at all. It mellows out really quick. See, it's not going anywhere for me. It's definitely lingering. Mm. But I'm with you. The punchiness is on the front, but then it kind of sits in the back of my throat. There's there's almost an apple cider vinegary kind of thing about this. Which it's well documented. You don't love. I hate it. Um, but before that hits, it does almost taste like apple cider. There's a sweetness there, that I, mm-hmm. which I assume is from the, the food ring on the nectarines. Really good. But it just is such an intense punch of tang by the end that no amount of sweetness or or effervescent carbonation can really save it. Oh, I like it a lot. Me. Okay, good. Well, we, this is how big of a can? 16. In that case, I'll, sometimes I'll ask you rhetorical questions that I know just so our listeners can know, but I actually couldn't see it. Talk about the can, please. Because uh, now yeah. I can see it. So it's got a really nice label. It's a, you know, a sticker wrap. It's really yellow and very um what would you call that the color or the design the design geometrical i would say geometrical leaning towards celtic okay but instead of having interlocking curvature it's more of angular uh squares and triangles so think like celtic knot but with but right with, with 90 more degree aggressive angles. angles which is i think appropriate for this type of aggressive beer there's also something on the side of the can which mentions this is part of their harvest series would you be able to is it worth reading i'm not actually sure what it says but i think it might be uh, basically, the description we read okay. made from Washington grown malt screens and stone fruit. This beer is unpasteurized, unfiltered, and conditioned in the can. Keep cold, store upright, right. and expect natural sediment, which it was stored laying on, or I brought it yeah. here laying on its right. side. So it maybe isn't exactly as it should have been. Uh, either way, I really like it. Okay, great. Uh, I am curious about their harvest series. Do you know off the top of your head if our second beer today is also from that series? Doesn't look that way. Okay. Then uh, we, I guess this is our only our only way into that little series. But that's okay. Yeah. Um, all right, you're into it. Yeah. I'm less into it. I'm I'm gonna take what I think is my third drink. Okay. You're gonna you have none left in your glass. No, I'm gonna you're gonna finish have a little this, more. This, this um, is great. There's there's stuff that I like for sure, but it's I don't think I'm gonna come down favorably as a as just as a whole. But I don't think it's something that I can pan completely. So I'm gonna take another sip. Do you have any final thoughts before we get to our ratings? It's super refreshing. 
I mean, it really does let the nectarine punch through, but it doesn't overpower. It's balanced really nicely into the beer. Super crisp, super refreshing for me. I mean, drinkable in a way that like I could drink multiple ounces of this. It's not a sipper. This is a, I will take big drinks of this and enjoy it. You know, I hate the word drinkable. Yeah. And then I described how yeah, it you was did. drinkable. Yeah, so you, yeah, hater, it's not bro. a sipper. Like you just want to keep drinking it is mm-hmm. what you're saying. Like it's so delicious. It yeah. keeps coming back for yeah. more. I like it. I like the refreshing qualities of this. Okay. It feels like a really good early fall beer, which is, sure. as we've had a recent downturn in temperature, kind of feels appropriate for the uh, the atmosphere in which we're experiencing. Agreed. As a reminder, it is 4.9%, so kind of right in that sweet spot of yeah. uh, of your traditional kind of American lagers or like your, you know, seltzers even, like like something that's really light and, mm-hmm. and, and crushable on a I want to day. buy another can, store it upright, and drink it because I feel like maybe some sediment got in and maybe bittered it out a little bit more. It's than- possible. Yeah, it might have been a bit more juicy and and less bitter without that. Are you not digging the bitterness you're tasting currently? No, I'm just saying for maybe it's something that would make it more enjoyable to you. I'm not sure how to draw the line between bitterness and tanginess, Mm. but I don't think I take issue with the bitterness. Mm. I take issue with the, at least what is traditionally in a saison, the yeast profile. I do like some of the the sweeter notes from the nectarine. I think that's the one saving grace of this for somebody like me who doesn't like traditional saisons most of the time. After a couple drinks, I like it more than certainly more than I did on my first impression. Still not a beer that I love. I'm gonna have one final sip, then I will prepare my out of ten. But I feel like you maybe you are pretty close to knowing your number. Yeah, this beer's like an eight five for me all day. This mm. is really really good. Um, I love. That it doesn't taste like overripe nectarine, which which borders on being sure. too sweet. They mm-hmm. let it be cobblery, just ripe enough, mm-hmm. which it lends itself to that kind of tart, hoppy, funky. Yeah, I like all the things happening in this. Eight five. Okay, for me, um, man, I, stylistically again, like not something I gravitate towards, but there's some good qualities in this. It's not something I'd want to drink again. Though if I were forced to at gunpoint, I'd be okay with it. Like I wouldn't begrudge the person. I probably would. They're holding the gun to my head. But if this was the beer they chose, I'd be like, all right, it's a pretty okay beer. So I think for me, it's just below average. I'm going to give it a four. And it's the best I can do. And I don't feel great about it, but it's how I feel. Hey, your feelings are your feelings, man. Do you have anything else on Haywire? Uh, get it at SNS Produce. It was available in the singles door. Uh, if your feelings align with what I enjoy drinking, sure, go check it out. Uh, and if they enjoy, uh, if they align with what I enjoy, drink it anyways and let us know what you thought. Because once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on a Thursday evening on KZFR 90.1 FM. Like I said, if you'd get a chance to try this or really any other beers from Dwinell, you know what? In fact, take a photo of yourself drinking it. Tag us on your Instagram at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema on Instagram. Do you think Max got this beer wrong? All right. Do you think he got it right? Do you think I got it wrong? Well... There's only one way to let us know. Sure. Uh, you, well, that's not even true. Well, <laughs> there's so many ways. there is. There's a lot of ways. <laughs> but you should let us know. That's the only thing to do. Right. If, you, if you're if you opinionated and you feel like telling us you're wrong and it's the internet, everyone loves telling people they're wrong on the yep. internet, do it. We'd love to hear it because one of us will be right. What are those it, ways? How can they do it? Make us happy. Yeah. Uh, you know, Instagrams, Twitters, all that, at Fresh Hop Cinema, anywhere on social media, but also email us, fhccast at gmail.com, and let us know. Also, if there's a brewery out there or a beer that you want us to try, do the same thing. Hey, and if you like the show, 
please let us let us know. Leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Um, it takes like two seconds. You can write a review. Um, it helps other people discover our show. We really, really appreciate that sort of thing. What, do you want me to read the whole copy? <laughs> Incoming is a trailer Fine. for Barbarian. It's a, it's a new movie we're going to talk about. There's no spoilers, so if you haven't seen it, you got nothing to worry about, so stick around. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. This is 476 Barbary, right? Yeah, I'm renting this place. No, I booked it a month ago. Are you sure you have the right place? Yeah. Who are we supposed to do? Why don't you come inside and we'll call these idiots. Why don't you just crash here? Oh, no. I don't know if you got a great look at this neighborhood, but I don't think you should be out there by yourself. It's dry and there's a lock on the door. By the way, I'm Keith. Tess. You take the bedroom and I'll sleep out here on the couch. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft beer and film. If you're listening on the radio waves of KZFR 90.1 FM, you're only going to be hearing the first half of our show on the radio today. But if you want to hear the whole thing, go subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever quality podcasts are found by you. It'll be available to stream tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. And at the end of this, if you just can't get enough, go have a listen. What you just heard was the trailer for Barbarian. In town for a job interview, a young woman arrives at her Airbnb late at night, only to find that it's been mistakenly double booked and a strange man is already staying there. Over the course of an awkward evening, she decides to spend the night against her better judgment, and what ensues is the perfect type of horror, mistaken Airbnb, scary scenario that unfolds over the course of an hour and 47 minutes. Again, this was uh, Barbarian, directed by Zach Krager. It was also written by Krager. Um, it came to its first release in the United States at Comic-Con in San Diego, uh, back in July and then hit wide release on September 9th. It runs an hour and 47 minutes stars Georgina Hall as Tess and Bill Skarsgård as Keith. Justin Long also shows up as somebody named AJ, who we will talk about as we get into our discussion here. I want to give a quick shout out to cinematography because I think this was a very well shot movie. The cinematographer was named Zach Cooperstein, Johnny Summers. Give me your brief thoughts and maybe a rating on Barbarian before we dive in deep. Yeah, so initial thoughts. This was a really well-crafted film. A lot of horror movies are just that. They are movies. They are tertiary. They are not well thought out. A lot of them aren't well put together. Uh, This one had kind of a perfect combination of good, compelling, well-written plot, good acting, and then really good cinematography, great sound design. It's pretty to look at. There was some flashbacks that had just beautiful, like almost technicolor, vivid popping, mm-hmm. uh, you know, color schematics. And then, you know, also we noticed in the theater the aspect ratio changed. Yeah, so we'll talk about that. This movie had a lot of things going on for it that I loved. And it also subverted a lot of uh, bitter and jaded old horror fan expectations. 
which were mine. Sure. Uh, so, you know, I don't, it wasn't predictable. It was unique. It was, it was very original. Um, you know, there's, there's certain aspects that have been borrowed, but that's horror as a genre throughout history. Um, but it was executed in a very original way. Um, there were, it was scary when it needed to be. And the violence and gore was not used in excess. I think it was really used uh, tastefully to kind of punctuate. Tasteful gore. Yeah. I love it. Tasty, tasteful, whatever. <laughs> uh, just to punctuate the plot and the the stakes at hand. Uh, overall, very well-crafted movie. Very suspenseful, okay. thought-provoking. Good, good horror movie. So I, I'm i a big fan of this. This is going to be a probably a... a 8.9 for me. 8.9. So certainly a recommend people see. 100%. Um, we, we've talked a little bit about dancing around spoilers, even in, in the description you and I did off air. Um, do you think this is a movie people should go in fairly blind to? Uh, preferably. Yeah. Yeah. The I, blinder, the better. I like you had seen like one trailer um, and I didn't even remember the name of the movie was Barbarian. So I think when you and I saw it in the theater, I leaned over to you and was like, oh, it's this movie. Yeah. Because like the trailer shows a couple things, like the intro scene is her arriving to this Airbnb. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's this. Like I was excited, but it looks so terrifying. So I'm glad I wasn't there alone. I don't love horror movies in general. Most horror movies, I think kind of like you're, you didn't say most, but a lot of horror movies can, can fall short in a number of ways, um, being predictable or falling into certain tropes and traps or um, over utilizing gore for shock factor and all that. I don't think this movie does any of that. I also really enjoyed this. Um, 2022 has been kind of a weird movie year. We've gotten, in terms of horror films, like we've gotten uh, we've gotten X from Ty West, which is kind of a self-aware satirical kind of slasher horror. We've gotten Nope from Jordan Peele. You really loved Prey. Mm-hmm. I didn't, but a lot of people do. Like it's it's been a decent year mm-hmm. given all the circumstances of coming out of the pandemic. And I think getting this movie has been really great. I think the performances, Georgina Hall in particular, is fantastic in this. Justin Long, when he shows up, is great. Um, of course, Bill Skarsgård does the creepy kind of sunken-eyed, like you can't not associate him with Pennywise, Pennywise the Clown. Yeah. Like, he's just like, he's a handsome guy too, but I think we're just so associating him with that creepy, like, come on into my little creepy, you know, sewer in, in it, but here like Airbnb, like it really works. And the way that the movie, you've mentioned the word subversion already. Um, what you haven't, I don't think said is, is how self-aware this movie is. You said it, it does kind of fall into some of these, these tropes, but I think it's very aware that it's doing it. And it's using those tropes to subvert our expectations constantly throughout the entire film. This movie was surprising. It was scary. It was funny at times. It was shocking. It was, it was everything I want in a horror movie. It was, it was commentating on social issues. I've always said like horror is at its best when it's, it's applying lessons of the real world into a, the, the horror context. I think it's great. It's going to be one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, and I'm going to come down slightly higher than you at a nine. <laughs> it's really, really good. Um, I'm with you though. If you can go in blind, do it. Absolutely. Um, to the extent, like I know we always say in this show, like we're not doing any spoilers until officially the danger zone after we're off the radio and everything. But it's one of those movies that I would recommend seeing a B stopping this if you can if you're listening on the podcast go see the movie if you're interested at all in this movie stop listening to what we're saying go watch it come finish the episode because it is super rewarding knowing as little as possible Mm -hmm. either way we're both recommending it 8.9 for you nine for me let's get into slightly more specifics not spoilers okay um Later in the show, we're going to talk about the plot. I've I've got a lot of praise for the way this movie's put together, but but let's go a little bit more general. What did you like about this so much? Well, I think the Venn diagram of of horror films that are 
good and that are actually good movies are they don't overlap often. How do you mean? Uh, in the, a horror movie can be good, but it can be a horribly put together movie. The cinematography could not be good. It could be. Give good. me like an example of of because you're saying a, a a good horror movie, but an objectively bad movie. Yeah, exactly. Just a movie that like maybe isn't put together as well as it could be, but the bones are good in that it's got a good plot. It's scary when okay. it gets to me, but okay. maybe just the cinematography technically, like, technically isn't quite as yeah or a good scary movie that has the suspense and the, the jump scares or whatever, mm. but it's not a good film in that it doesn't have a, like a plot driving. It, it's not saying much, sure. which sure. bothers some people, bothers I, me, me less yeah. than it yeah. bothers you. Right. Uh, but this movie, I think checks a lot of boxes in that it is a quality movie. It has things to say while also being pretty scary. Yes. Pretty gory, pretty violent, mm-hmm. pretty thought provoking. Uh, all in all in one. So it really that Venn diagram lines up, and this movie's right in the middle of that. Where it's like, not only is it a good horror movie, and had the aspects of of the scares, of the yes. violence, of the threat of imminent doom and torture, and all this wild stuff. Um, it also had all the things that you kind of want out of a good film, yes. whether it's horror or not. Mm-hmm. So I love that those two things intersect in such a, a way to culminate in actually a very good horror film. Yeah. The, the world building here is also very good, which I think is a, is not often talked about when it comes to this kind of horror movie. Um, this kind being like the haunt. It's not a haunted house. It's a, it's a, it's like a, it's like a, um, single place, like trapped, confined with a creepy person kind of movie. Yeah. Like it's really difficult to build an immersive experience in this case. So like we're in Detroit and, and the way this movie starts is, is Georgina Hall's character Tess rolls up to this Airbnb. It's pouring rain. And, you know, she, and there's like a mistake, like she's booked on Airbnb and he's booked on like another thing. So whatever, they're both there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, just, just the idea that it's pouring rain in the scary part of a town that she's not familiar with. She's there for a job interview. Um, she's faced with this, this decision. Like, do I stay in this Airbnb with Pennywise the clown is how we feel <laughs> as an audience. And we're right? all like, don't do that. Seriously. Like, it's so clear. You shouldn't even go in there. And, but then she does and it seems okay. And then. He's like, you're not going to get a hotel. There's an ambiguous convention in town. And again, the audience is like, dude, like you could find a hotel, like just Google, but she doesn't because it's a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And I can see, I did see myself being like, all right, like what's like, we've seen this before. Like it's me shouting at the screen. Like, don't do this obviously bad thing. But where subversion comes into play in this movie is that, that it goes farther than that as the movie progresses, which mm-hmm. I loved because it's so often you can just get recapitulations of these old horror tropes and that's it. Yeah, which is okay because you can still get jump scares, you can still get awesome sound design, you can still get creepy visuals. This movie has all that later on, in particular, but also uses our expectations early on to to make us trip up a little bit. Oh yeah, it's a full on well. Yeah, right. Yeah. So this is the problem. Mm-hmm. We can't talk too much, but I will say, Bill Skarsgård casting choice, great. Justin, these are all incredibly cast people. This is this is the way to stack this movie. Georgina Hall being the least famous of these. Have you seen the Black Mirror episode I mentioned? Oh, yeah. Hang the DJ? So It's good. like the rare, uplifting Black Mirror episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's like three of them that exist. She's great in that. Um, so I was so stoked to see her in this. I think she plays this movie well. There's there's degrees of like the final girl trope. Like she has to like go through the movie and like deal with stuff. Like that's what women in horror have to do. But even with that, like this movie has more to say about that character mm-hmm. and women in general and the, the relationship between men and women in today's modern society. There's all sorts of like... They don't. They don't ever brand it as Me Too 
conversation. That's what it is. There's rape allegations. There's all sorts of stuff that comes into play in the commentary of this film. And I think it ties it in, in a really, really satisfying way. Absolutely. Like a horror movie doesn't have to be one dimensional no. violence and, and jump scares just for the sake of being violent and scary. No. And this movie proves that. So yeah. everyone out there that wants to make a horror movie, do better. Get creative. Get, um, a, get yeah. a good plot. A movie I didn't mention that came out this year is Men. Mm-hmm. Um, which will be one of probably my favorite horror movie of the year. Right, which is another one that is so dressed up in commentary, but it's also buried deep within some really disturbing imagery. I would say in Men, there is not tasteful gore. No. It's just really, it's like Cronenbergian body horror. But not throughout. Not throughout. It's a good point. So, um, I mean, again, I would I would make the argument that that was used tastefully and as punctuation as well. I would say punctuation. I don't think tastefully. It really <laughs> bothered me. I just but called that movie tasteful. I know, man. That's hilarious. Like, that movie, though, is so much less accessible than this one. I think I think this movie kind of shows its cards once we get to the final third of it. And you are kind of on board. Like you understand what's happening. You understand the motivations of the characters and you're rooting for who you should be, should be rooting for and not for who you're not. It's great. It all comes together really well. It's not perfect. There's some stuff I'll probably talk about, Mm -hmm. but for the most part, it's great. If you ask me, Mm -hmm. it's terrifying. It's saying something. It's shot gorgeously. The soundtrack's awesome. The cinematography, it's just, it's all perfect. It's not perfect. It's all really, really good. Yep. Um, We're going to run on uh, borrowed time here for our radio listeners. Do you have any final thoughts on this? You know, I really am looking forward to getting to the danger zone. It's it's hard to talk about this movie without any spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, very lastly then, dude, um, any, well, maybe that's, a, no, I'm gonna say for this, I was gonna ask you like your favorite scene from the movie, but that's nope. probably too spoilery yep. too. All right, well, then for now, once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. Barbarian is currently probably in a theater near you. If you've seen it and you have thoughts of your own, which if you've seen it, you probably will. You can reach us on Instagram, again, at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema. You can send an email to fhccast at gmail.com. To our radio listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next and every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on KZFR 90.1 FM. And as a reminder, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes spoilers for Barbarian, a review of that second beer, and Hot and Bothered, head over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema. The rest of this episode will be available tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. sharp, and those of you who are already listening on your favorite podcast app, we'll be right back. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Welcome to the Danger Zone. This is your final warning. We will be spoiling. Come on. <laughs> spoilering. <laughs> yeah, boy, Jesus. we're spoilering it. Spoiling oh, barbarian. Spoilers all up and in I it. I just swallowed my spit as I was talking. <laughs> this is the point in the show right. where we fall the fuck apart. How yeah. you doing? Um, we're also exclusively a podcast now, so if you've come over from the radio, welcome. Um, the show gets a little different, mostly the same, a little bit looser most of the time. A little bit less radio friendly, sure. perhaps. Um, so let's talk barbarian, dude. Um, right before we start, though, can you tell me how much that first beer was from SNS oh, Produce? $6.79. Oh, that's expensive if you ask me. No, that's it's way too much. Under. It's, uh, it's cheap. The beer was amazing. Right. If you just heard back on the radio, you'd heard about that beer that you still don't remember the name of. It was Haywire. Um, and what did we decide we're pronouncing the name of this brewery? Um, you, I you said, said a very specific. You said Dwinell. Dwinell. Yeah. Okay. That works for me. Um, it should still be at SNS. If you'd like to try it, go grab Haywire. It was almost seven bucks, which again, I don't think it was that good. But if you like Saisons, do it. Let's get into Barbarian. Yeah, boy. Um, I spent some time today choking on my own saliva 
Um, no, I, I spent some time, ever since I saw this movie, I've been thinking about the structure of it to the point that I kind of mapped it out, a roadmap of the plot. So I'm going to spend some time talking about kind of what happens in this movie and how it's basically three different movies rolled into one, mm. tonally speaking. Um, but I'm sure before I describe it, Johnny, you want to give me some sort of pat on the back for this kind of... It's I'm, pretty tremendous. It's, thank you for saying that. It's almost like if a horror movie and the game Candyland okay, had a that's what it bastard is. baby yeah. <laughs> and Max printed it out. Right. So it's divided into three acts, basically, but it's it's like a looping road, like a, like a, a reverse S almost. It's and like I'll, a queue. You're like you're standing in line. Oh yeah, like a, yeah, line. Um, and on the curves of the S, with the Q U E U E, there's these little tangents that aren't quite part of the main acts because there is sort of a traditional three act structure here. But there's these tangents that happen, and once I put it on paper, the parallels of these two tangents were really delicious to me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm almost I'm almost interested in talking about the plot, not beat for beat, like maybe not quite as detailed as I have on this, but I think it's important to set up just for the experiencing the tone of this movie again, like they're very different sections. And what we've talked about mostly so far is the, the mix up of the Airbnb creep factor, mm -hmm. which is done so well. Yeah. How did that section of the movie work for you? Really good. It, it was that anxiety where you're like, God, just don't just leave. It's the horror just, movie. Don't you dare stuff. Yes. And that works. They did it really well. And really they, they made a meal out of that feeling. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like, so so at this point, like, we know we're talking about this. Bill Skarsgård dies mm -hmm. in the first, like, 30 minutes of yeah. this movie, which is crazy because you think he's the big bad guy cut yeah. because of the casting choice. And also, Pennywise. and even just his mannerisms as this person. Right. So that's kind yeah. of an odd dude, just super awkward, kind of stumbling over his words, doesn't yeah. really know how to talk or be. Also, he just got woken up in the middle of the night. So right. Like, so, like, in retrospect, everything makes sense. Yeah. Which I love. Because you're so, like, when we first see it, we don't know anything. She shows up at this Airbnb, creepy guy. It's him as an actor. You're like, okay, like, he's, and the trailers, by the way, lead you to believe this. Like, he's creepy. Mm -hmm. And then looking back, it's like, okay, he was probably just a harmless dude. Um, the reason she's in Detroit, if you haven't seen the movie, is she's applying for a job for a documentary filmmaker. He ends up being one of the people they will probably interview for their documentary. So mm -hmm. she's, like, then totally disarmed. It's all fine. And then we even get disarmed and it turns into like a little bit of a rom-com for like 10 minutes. Yeah. They're hitting it off. They're drinking wine. There was a point where I thought they might kiss. Totally. Um, there's a point where they both thought they might kiss. Yeah. And then whatever, they go to bed. And then she's woken up in the middle of the night with her door open. We hear feet just kind of scamper away. I almost I almost played it like a mm -hmm. bongo um, of all days. No bongo. No. And then we find him on the couch. He's having a nightmare. He's screaming. She wakes him up and then he's scared. He's like, what are you doing? Like, Get away from me. Whatever. It's fine. But then we're still like, what the fuck was that then? Yeah. Uh, and this is why I made this map too, is because we can now look at what happens next. Um, whatever. She goes to a job interview and then we see this neighborhood for the first time. Bad. Bad. This house that they're in is like totally charming, upkept, great. Everything else vandalized, burned down, destroyed. No yeah. one's living there. Yeah. It's nuts. Like it's like, who's booking this on Airbnb? Turns nobody. Out, nobody. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I love, by the way, they don't explain. We don't spend a lot of time learning how this has happened. It's a wonderful testament to the pacing of this movie, I think. Mm -hmm. um, the whole thing basically climaxes with there's this hidden door in the basement. Yeah. She yeah. locks herself down there actually looking for toilet paper. She comes back and she's about to, I think, leave. Oh, she's chased inside by a homeless guy who's like, little girl, little girl, get out of that house. Come out of that house. Retrospect, we're like, he was trying to 
trying to get her to come mm-hmm. back out but save her. You can't run at a woman and be like, little girl, come here. It's terrifying. Yeah, that's going to have the opposite effect. She calls the cops. They're like, we don't have another unit to send to you, which is a commentary that goes throughout this movie as well, by the way. Um, whatever. She's looking for toilet paper, ends up in the basement, horror movie trope, the door shuts behind her and locks. Again, I'm like, this is so predictable when I'm mm-hmm. watching it. But then it's like the movie knows. It's trying to make you think that. She discovers the rape room, basically. Not mm-hmm. a turn of phrase I feel super comfortable using. That's what it is. Yeah. She panics, but she's locked in there. Bill Skarsgård comes home, and she's in hysterics. And he's like, kind of like trying to disarm her. He's like, listen, I hear you. Like, But all you're saying is there's a room with a bed and a bucket. Like, let me go check it out. He goes down even further, doesn't show up again. She's like, where are you, dude? Nothing. Discovers another doorway down a bunch of steps. Like stone steps, like castle like Real, shit. real dungeon-y kind of shit. Yep. Find some cages, like some human side or big dogs, cages, whatever. Then you see him crawling towards her like, somebody bit me. There's someone down here. And then big naked woman shows up, smashes his head a bunch of times against a rock. Too many to live. And then we smash cut to Justin Long driving down the freeway yeah. in a convertible singing. Um, I can't even name the song right now. I have no idea. But that's the first part of this movie. It's 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 a it's a scary, scary movie wrapped up. And mm-hmm. then the entire movie shifts. Yeah. I loved the first act. It was so terrifying. It almost played like a short film. It totally does. Because like at that juncture, I'm like, are we gonna revisit these characters? Right. Like, why are we going? Who is this guy? Yeah. Why do we care about Justin exactly. Long's character? How does this intersect at all? It's so good. And yeah. then of course, so what we find out is that he's, you know, he's an actor and he's getting a call from his agent saying like, Hey, your, your co-star is accusing you of some pretty serious stuff. And he's like, what is it rape? And they're like, yeah, it's rape. You're not going to be part of the show. And then he uh, meets with all of his people and is like, how do I fix this? Like I need to, my career rather than like, Oh no, this person. Yeah. Whatever. We find out he owns this house and then the movie shifts again and we get into act two. I think this is where I draw the line with act two. Mm-hmm. Um, how did this work up until the point? So like, basically he gets to this house Um and it's funny for a while. Mm-hmm. He like finds everything. Yeah. He finds their stuff. He finds the basement. And that's where the comic relief comes in. How he's, does he, why? How does he treat it? Because he's, he's trying to liquidate his assets yeah. in order to not go under. Yeah. And he immediately finds a rape room, which, you know. Tor- like it's not subtle. No. And Justin Long's reaction is sick. This is more square footage. It's so, like the way they cut this is so great. Because then it's like, it's another smash cut to him upstairs Googling like, can you count? I don't know what it is about the episode today, but I'm like, it's a table day. Yeah. Can you count a basement of square footage? Right. Like he's not, there's even a bloody handprint on the wall, which mm-hmm. he doesn't, and he sits on the bed at one point and yeah. doesn't even realize. And he's like, ugh, gross. Ew, gross, bro. But he's so jazzed on like, wow, like I can maybe make some money off this. Yeah. And he's backing into this hall. Like, I da- love like down the, the stairs. Backing, like they were like full of trepidation and a light. And so were we. Yeah. And then you have this moron. How did you feel during this section? Like, I was like giggling. It yeah. was so funny. I'm like, you're an idiot. Like you should be concerned right now. Moron. Some, something important happens before this that we forgot to talk about, which is like, we hear this phone call where he's being accused of rape, whatever. And and like, to some extent, it's Justin Long. Another point to brilliant casting. Justin Long is a pretty harmless guy. He's not someone you necessarily see as a predator. Yeah. So when these allegations come out in the movie, I'm like, okay, like maybe, probably, but I'm not sure what this movie's about yet. So maybe. Mm-hmm. And then he ends up going out drinking after he sees all of our, our characters' stuff in the house. He goes out drinking with a buddy, and his his dude's like, "Hey man, like heard about all this stuff, like man to man, like what happened?" 
And he's basically like, he says something like, you know, she, she took some convincing, like, yeah, we fucked, but she took some convincing, but like by the end of it, like she was saying like, no, 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 no. But by the end she was into it, which is the point you're like, all right, for sure. This guy's a piece oh, yeah. of shit. You're terrible. You're the worst. Right. So then like he is, and then you're even more on board with like, yeah, he's just trying to make money off of his house. Mm-hmm. So he's backing down the dungeon stairs with yeah. a tape measure. All willy nilly. <laughs> so how are you feeling at this point? Because uh, not, I'm not concerned about the character. No, I'm amused at this point. Like right. whatever he gets, he's going to, he deserves, he deserves. <laughs> Yeah, Like it's okay. fine. And the fact that he's so cavalier about a situation where on paper, like there's a bunch of people's clothes. It hasn't been written out, rented out in yeah. weeks. Like there's just people's stuff here and you find a secret tunnel in your basement. And your first reaction Dude. is how can I profit I off know. this? At that point, it becomes, you know, hilarious. Right. So what happens though is he keeps backing down and he, he gets further down the tunnel than we have gotten so far. And he discovers like a purple lit room with like mattresses and beanbags playing like an instructional video on breastfeeding, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is the first time for some reason he's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Don't know why it didn't happen earlier. Right. But for him, that was it. He's like, what the fuck's going on? Um. Anyways, then our monster woman shows up again. Chases him into a pit, and he falls, and uh, that's when we find out Tess is alive. At that point, I'm more invested. Yeah, which kind of brings us back to the feelings from the original part of the movie. Yep, we got to keep this so easy to follow, though. So we're in the, the creature feature. Oh, you want to talk about the? Well, I want. We're talking acts. about the three acts. So yeah, we're in act two. And, yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, anyways, so let's see. Yeah, okay. So he's you know. Tess is basically like, she's been down there for some time. She looks pretty beat up. Looks like at least two or three weeks. He's freaking out. She's like, chill out. She doesn't like it if you're freaking out about her. And mm-hmm. he's like, I'm, of course I'm freaking out. Anyways, a big old arm comes down through the grates, and it has a big-ass milk bottle. Yeah, like with, 1950s with, milk bottle? Yeah, or yeah, with tons of just like gross black hair around it. Yeah. And the woman monster lady is like, the worst part was like the 1950s brown rubber nipple. It's bad. The nipple was bad. It was covered with these like, like I would say pubes, but they're too long. Yeah. They were just her hair, like just her hair. And Tessa's like drinking. He's like, I'm not going to drink that. And she's like, do it. And he doesn't. So then the monster gives it to her and she's like milk mm-hmm. Homelander style. Mm-hmm. Really, really bothersome. Oh, so gross. <laughs> and then she's monster is pissed that he won't do it. So she drags him out of the pit. And takes him back to the movie room and like force feeds him her boob. She rapes him with her boob. It's bad. It's it's so uncomfortable. Yeah. Like so I titled act two the milky creature feature. Yeah. Because it's all this like really uncomfortable stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's so effective as horror, but different than the first act. Oh, yeah. It's less jump scary. It's just more like pure disgust. Mm-hmm. Just like just Ugh. Mm-hmm. We don't even know who this person is. Like, it's just this giant. She's huge. Yeah. Right. Like, I got the impression she's like seven feet tall. Yeah. She looks massive like, and super strong. Super strong. She dragged him by his ankles. Like, pulled him out of the pit. A pit that our main heroine couldn't even get out of yeah. on her own, much less carrying Justin Long. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> just look at the right notes now. Um, anyways, Tess takes this chance to escape. She almost gets caught, but then the homeless dude from earlier helps her out the window and is like, hey, I tried to help you. Don't go in there. This woman comes out at night and just get out. And she's like, no, I got to go save this dude. And as the audience, we're like, yeah, I don't, I'm not totally sure you do. He doesn't seem that great so far. And this uh, around this time was her first interaction with the cops, which was fucking second interaction with the cops. The first one was the phone call. Oh yeah. Right. So Andre, the homeless guy we learn is living in the water tower. It's, I don't know why he's staying there. They don't explain that either. But yeah. again, I think great. He's part of it. It's where he lives. 
Um, so she like finds a phone and gets the cops to come. She's clearly like, she's been down there for weeks and they're like, we don't believe you. You're lucky. We don't take you downtown to sleep this off. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Another time the system's letting you down. A lot of commentary on like, yeah, they the literally, Detroit public system they literally said like the only crime here is you breaking that window. Yeah. At that point, I'm doing whatever I have to, to get arrested. Are you trying to get out of there? Jail is preferable. Well, for sure. Jail is like preferable. look at this neighborhood. Yeah. Look at the house you just got out of. Like I'm jumping in the back. But her of thing is like, card. she, she's trying to, cause she's a good person. Yeah. She's trying to save AJ Gilbride mm-hmm. our unbeknownst to her, probably rapist guy. Right. Whatever. So at that point we get a smash cut to a flashback and it's the eighties. It's the same house. I've realized we've sort of gone into just recapping the movie. Mm-hmm. Are you cool with it? I just feel like it's a really great movie to do that with, but I, I, we could stop. We don't, I'm not really going anywhere with the plot synopsis. Um, let's do it, but briefer. Okay, fair enough. Because uh, we can't do two-thirds of it and then just say, well, fuck you. That's we're not a good point. It. All right. Uh, this is our second kind of away from the house tangent. So no, we, we've had the AJ thing, Justin Long's. We've learned he's kind of rapist. Then we get this guy. Um, it's uh, Richard. Uh, oh, no. I had his name somewhere. Can you find it? Richard. Uh, Richard. Mm, Brake. Richard Brake might be his name. I could be wrong. Um, we get an aspect ratio shift, which tells us we're kind of in the past. And we see the house, the neighborhood's great. We get this long shot of this man going to a grocery store searching for like baby supplies. He's looking for diapers and like, you know, other stuff. What else is he looking for? Rubber sheets. Oh, yeah. Plastic sheets. Yeah. Uh, Same which, idea. Yeah, sure. What's a rubber sheet? Sheets made out of rubber. Is that a thing? I don't know. All right. Um, probably like in insane asylums. We find out he's the guy that owns this house, right? He comes out of that house and then he follows this woman home, like pretends he's a maintenance worker and like goes into her bathroom, unlocks the window so he can come back later. He's abducting women, having sex with them is what we deduce. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, we then come back to the present and AJ is like trying to escape now. He's running through the tunnels and he finds this one door that the woman's afraid of inside is basically that guy, we mm-hmm. assume. Just very old, decrepit. Old version, yeah. Another the rapist on rapist action. Mm-hmm. It's Justin Long looking at this dude. And he's like, oh shit, man, like I'm gonna get you out of here. Like he doesn't know who he is, obviously. He's like, I'm gonna get you out of here. Like, what do you need? And the guy can't talk. He's like, give me some water. Gives him water, it's not good enough. So then he puts this coffee table by him. Dude gets a gun, shoots himself in the head after Justin Long realized he there's like tons of movies that this guy's been filming in the rape room. They had some pretty fantastic, disgusting titles. Just, yeah, like really, really disturbing. He's been like raping, abducting and raping women for years, having their children, raising them basically is kind of what we assume. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, at this point, Tess got the keys to her car. She's, mother comes out because it's nighttime. She hits, I'm calling her mother because that's what she's credited as, mm-hmm. hits the monster mother, goes in to save AJ, who then shoots her accidentally in the stomach. They walk out together. And then she's gone. The monster woman's gone. And they go to meet up with Andre. Andre explains he's the homeless guy. He's living in the water tower. Explains like, they've been there forever. It's been incest and just generation on generation. There's like monsters that live in that house, whatever. She comes through the wall out of nowhere, beats him to death with his own arm. There's a chase up the water tower, Justin Long way ahead, way almost past redemption at this point. There was a nice moment where he gave a speech, but everybody but me didn't buy it apparently. <laughs> And, and then we get to the top and Justin Long realizes I can escape, but you'll have to be sacrificed. So he pushes Tess off. The monster mother jumps off after her, breaks her fall underneath her. Is she dead? We're not sure. Justin Long goes down and is like, Hey, like you understand why I had to push you. Like I, you basically like you were at, like you, you get it right. Like you were fine. Right. Whatever. Mother's alive. Gouges his eyes out. His head explodes. She rips it in half mortal Kombat style. 
We all cheer, basically. And then the mother monster is, like, trying to pick up Tess, and she's like, come back home for milk. She's not speaking. She's just like, baby. Yeah. And then in true, like, Lenny fashion of mice and men, like, Tess has the gun, shoots her in the face, kills her, because that's obviously what has to happen. Mm -hmm. And she limps away into the sunrise. And that's the movie. Yeah. It's great. It was so good. We didn't even talk about the shift after the flashback. It turns into like a creature chase. Mm, yeah. And like a revenge movie, kind of. Mm -hmm. How did you feel by the end of this movie? <laughs> I'm sorry I took so much time. I mean, I just, it, it was in front of me. Yeah. So I talked about it. Absolutely. No, it was a journey, man. It it really did feel like three separate vibes. And that the, the three separate vibes were so... They all fit together so well, but they were all so different. You had such different emotions. Like... They were so defined, you know, the mm -hmm. first, second, and mm -hmm. third part had such different feelings and they elicited such emotions in the viewer. It's rare. You don't see that often. No. Yeah. So I felt exhilarated, kind of drained. Yeah, sure. But it, um, yeah. man, I felt very entertained and very satisfied with the payoff too. Like it was so good. One of my favorite themes in horror movies is when a movie forces you to ask Who's the real monster? Mm. And this movie's not subtle in that regard. Yeah. Like you do find yourself by the end empathizing more with the quote unquote monster woman than you do the human. Like, yeah. like Justin Long's here. At this point, like you're done, dude. Yeah. He was the worst. He was the worst. Yeah. Um, yeah I love that. It, when it was alluded to in this movie that um, the the mother character was the product of like generation after generation like of bunch. inbreeding. Yes. So that's awful. Totally. And like it's ugh. I love the nod that she, that she was scared to go into the room with her abuser, basically. Mm -hmm. Like this like superhuman strong creature is still so traumatized by what has happened to her. And even in that situation, like Justin Long's character exploits that, mm -hmm. which is totally what that character would do. Oh, yeah. Just a real scumbag. Yeah. Again, the worst. Great casting by by whoever cast this movie. Like he's such an unintimidating person that like uh, it's the same feeling I had with Promising Young Woman, mm. that Emerald Fennell film, mm -hmm. where like like Bo Burnham or uh, or any of the guys really like I can't remember the the real like the main perpetrator in that, but like doesn't seem like, and maybe we've just been misled as a society to like put labels on bad guys and good guys. Like oftentimes it's pretty. There's a lot of gray, a lot of gray area. Yeah. So I think yeah, brilliant casting. Yeah. Justin Long does a great job in this movie. He really did, and yeah, I love a horror movie with something to say. Yes, for sure. Um, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. All uh, right. Scariest moment in this movie for you? Uh, the first act. The uh, entire first act? No, when they were you know first entering the tunnels, there was a lot of light and dark play that mm -hmm. really worked. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you had a strong sense of claustrophobia, impending yes. doom. It's great. All that stuff. So that was probably the most just pure terrifying because at that point you were, you were delving into the completely pitch black unknown. Yeah. And that... Uh, the fear of the unknown is is sometimes more terrifying than the fear of the known. For sure. So yeah, 100%. those were the most purely scary parts. How about the funniest moment in this movie? When he was measuring out the house. Mine too, man. It's yeah. like him walking down backwards. Yeah, backwards. So, so oblivious. Like to backing, like, literally backing into the abyss. I know, dude. Like just ask for He's just so confident. Like I'm <laughs> nothing like he's just so arrogant. He's yeah. like I can't imagine a scenario where anybody I even know would do that. No. But for some reason, I believe it with that character. Yeah. He, of course he would. Well, there's a level of entitlement and everything in his life has gone his way. 
you, so you think you can get away with rape 100%. person, 100%. you know, it's that person that thinks they're untouchable and thinks they can fix it. You know, like at one point he drunkenly blacked out, calls the girl that My he God. raped yeah. and thinks he can just make it better by saying, sorry. Just call me back. Like, yeah. You know, so like if I did anything to offend you is what he said. <laughs> you, you, oh, yeah. Man. You, mm, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. all kinds of icky feelings there. Yeah. So, but yeah, that was the most comical, just absurd, True. hilarious. Agreed. Yeah. Um, okay. Last one is, uh, what is your, the most emotional or satisfying scene in this movie? Hmm. You can pick either one or if they're the same. I mean, there was a moment in the very last scene mm. where there was like a, a connection between Tess and the, the mother character too. where, yep. you know, there was an understanding in Tess's eyes, kind of just knowing what she'd gone through and, and, her experience yeah. and how yeah. she'd been taken advantage of too. There, there was an empathy where it didn't feel like a final victory over an arch enemy. It yeah. felt more like a mercy killing. Right. So it was, uh, you know, putting something out of its misery that had been tortured its whole life. And it wasn't, uh, you know, pump your fist in the no. air. I killed the monster. It was, uh, it was way more heartfelt and, and that kind of came, you know, out of nowhere. Yeah. So Which I, is another I, subversion of this movie. Like, yeah. like you, in movies like this, when the monster dies, we win. It's supposed to be a celebration. And it wasn't. And this was a, oh my God, that poor thing. Yeah. Like, I hope it's at peace now. But this is what has to happen. Like, yeah. Like, you're not like, yeah, maybe we can just let her go. Like, I don't think that's no. a good call. Yeah. Uh, man. And it comes back to like, like, whose fault is this? It's it's the guy. It's it's men's fault. It's the men's fault it's in this movie. It's that guy's fault, yeah. Uh, which is why in, in my diagram, like, I really love that the three acts are broken down or, or rather separated by these two stories about these two men. It's it's AJ, Justin Long's character, and the flashback sequence. Mm -hmm. It's these two men who are having these horrible effects on the women basically around them, and that's how we break up the structure of the film. Mm -hmm. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's so well done. And it wasn't so over the top, like, all men are bad. I'm going to bunk you on the head with it. Right. Because we had the Skarsgård character that turned out to be just awkward and bad at conversation. Good point. Yeah, that's true. So there there was a dichotomy to it. Yeah. Because, you know, movies that have that kind of undertone. Like the movie Men. Like the movie Men. Yeah. Well, that one, I mean, that that was pretty preachy. Yeah. But it was still, you know, wrapped in metaphor. But, yeah, you know, uh, movies that have that outlook can be a little bit... Um, like totalitarian when it sure. comes to the viewpoint. Yeah. So I love that there was that, that little wiggle room, the counterbalance mm -hmm. offered, you know? Yeah. But still uh, good yeah. points to be made. Yeah. You got anything else on barbarian? I kind of want to watch it again. I did too, man. I was like, I was telling uh, my friend Rob, I was like, look, man, I, I just saw this. Like, it's a scary, I've, I took him to men, by the way. It was his first time oh, God. in the theater in like two, like pre COVID. Oh, like, Come see this movie. We're seeing it for the podcast. And, um, men very, very much, much tougher than this one. Here's some rock salt. Rub it in your yeah. eyes. <laughs> you haven't been to the movies in two years, right? But as I sat on this and I was like, I think, I think you would dig it, dude. Uh, so I would see this again too. I'd, I'd be stoked to see it again. No, it was good. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be top 10 for me. I'm almost positive. We're, we're in, yeah, mid-September. God, the year's almost over. Mm -hmm. We got our anniversary coming up. Oh yeah, that's true. It's getting wild. Up on six. Uh, okay. Well, that's Barbarian. Go see it. Let us know what you think. Johnny Summers, are you ready for beer number two? I think I am. All right, Johnny Summers, what is beer number two, my friend? Brambleberry. <laughs> Brambleberry? Blackberry Wild Ale from Dwinale Country Ales. Okay. Um, I should do their commercials. Yeah, Brambleberry. Why do you think it's going to be like a Sam, uh, what's his name? Sam 
Elliot. Oh Elliot. Why do you think it's going to be a Sam Elliott voice? I don't know. It just sounds Bramble like... Bramble yeah. Bushes. Or Morgan Freeman. Bushes baked beans. <laughs> uh, uh, it yeah. is a wild ale aged in oak barrels with black diamond blackberries. What the hell is a black bear, Black diamond back blackberry? Man. <laughs> uh, I mean, what's the difference? Is that a special kind of blackberry? We're yeah, going to find it out. Is. We're I'll, I'll tell, tell It is. Yeah, and this was uh, brewed in collaboration with Bale Breaker Brewing Company. A lot of bees today, man. I'm telling you. Oh, man. Anyways, yeah, super stoked for this one. 5.1%. Uh, again, Dwinell. 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 Yep. Um, I guess we'll just close this loop early. Uh, so, like, if there's a lot of blackberry or fruit enthusiasts listening, maybe maybe skim over this part. But for all of us normal folks, uh, this is a berry, the Black Diamond Blackberry, of course. It was introduced in 2005. It's a crossbreed between the uh, Cotata Blackberry and the New Zealand Thornless Blackberry. Ooh, there's Thornless Blackberries? Yeah. I want to uh, get some of those. We the gotta thorns go, are the worst part. New Zealand, man. Um, it's pretty close, uh, at least in, in harvest season to the Marion berry yields a firm medium to large berry, dark purple, black in color, you know, like a blackberry. That makes sense. Um, the rest of this is kind of boring, but if you want to read more, go to Oregonberries.com. That's fair. And they grow you in Oregon. all you need to know about black diamond blackberries. Nice. Okay. Um, this beer on the other hand, I think not so boring. This looks really, really delicious. You've already had some. I have not. What are your initial thoughts on this beer? Well, you get to sipping young man and I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now. I think it's. Beautiful to look at. It's nice on the nose. Quite frankly, I find it very underwhelming in my mouth. Uh, all the flavors seem to be a bit subdued. My first impression is that this beer has been watered down. It feels very thin, mm. very watery, almost tart blackberry seltzer-esque. Wow, I'm, really? Yeah, I'm not getting big wild ale vibes. I'm getting very, very mm. thin, effervescent, subtle flavor. Um, not super bold in a way that most wild ales are. Uh, and and quite frankly, pretty heavy on the water. I was <laughs> I was with you up until you said it was seltzer esque because I've I've had a few blackberry seltzers recently actually. Um, this isn't that subdued. Seltzer esque in the drinking experience. It's very highly carbonated. Mm -hmm. It's super light. I don't think it's diluted the way that you do. I think there's a pretty good amount of tang, bit of sweetness, bit of punch, bit of tartness. Um, I dig it. It's it's not aggressive, which um, I guess could be interpreted as a yeah diluted or underwhelming or what have you. But I'm enjoying it, hmm. and now I will try it for a second drink. Yeah, I don't I don't love it. I mean, when I see wild ale, this is probably the least in every single way wild ale I've ever had. What do you, but what do you mean like? It's, what are you what are you expecting when you read? It's got, the, it's got the least. Umbrella. It's got the least like mouthfeel, tang, uh, distinct flavor profile. It's kind of ambiguous and watery. It's not. This beer doesn't have much of a defined personality for me. This could be any sort of like sour cocktail, blackberry, tangy, sour, anything. It's very. I don't know. It feels like it's not finished or something. It's just. It's just okay. Man, I haven't disagreed with you to this extent on a beer in quite a while. This is this is really good, if you ask me. Um, there's a slight bit of vinegar. There's there's that kind of almost Brett tang to it. Mm -hmm. I think this is a fairly understated but nuanced beer. If you had told me this was from Degard, I would have been like, yeah, that makes sense. Maybe not quite enough funk, but I think this is really good, dude. I think it's pretty underwhelming. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. We're kind of flipping based yeah. on or from the first beer. Yeah, the first beer had like a lot more personality. It, it kind of knew what it was about. 
it was more aggressive. Yeah, I agree. But but in terms of our enjoyment, we're flipping. Oh yeah, yeah. This I mean, think everything's flipping, man. It's we're in the upside down here. Hmm. Yeah, this it's just underwhelming. It, it, it strikes me as as too understated. You can have something be understated, but still flavorful and not overwhelming. Uh, but this this doesn't even whelm me. Maybe it's a personal preference thing. Must I think be. there's plenty here to soak in. Um, this feels like a wild ale that I drank half of and topped off with club soda. Man, no, I man, I super disagree. I think it's really, really got a lot going on. <laughs> there's a little bit of spiciness from the berries. There's sweetness, of course. I think there's a fair amount of carbonation. I'm with you there. Um, I wouldn't call the mouthfeel thin. But it is very champagne-like. So if you attribute you know, like if you're, if you're comparing like a champagne to a Sauvignon Blanc or something, um, that being a little bit more buttery and sweet and, 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 and um, not thicker, but richer maybe totally. But I don't think champagne is thin. I think it's champagne. And I think the body here is supposed to be light. It's again, it's 5.1%. Mm-hmm. It's meant to be a light, refreshing drink. Yeah. It's a fluffy little beer. Totally. It's not an aggressive wild ale. hundred percent. I agree. It's not a jammy beer. It's not something that's going to knock my socks off or make my my mouth water too incredibly. But I'm down for an understated Wild Ale. And I think that's what this is. I enjoy this. It's definitely more approachable than Wild Ales. I mean, that's probably the most redeeming quality is that it's... it's. I swear to God, if you say drinkable. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is just more approachable to the everyday yeah. consumer. Yeah. I think it's, it's something that's not going to scare you away at the first sip. No. Yeah, I appreciate that it's not... Like I'd, I'd mentioned a little bit of kind of a vinegar taste, like an apple cider vinegar even. Um, but it's not so overwhelming like a like a really hefty wild ale might be with that tang. See, to me, the apple cider notes in this one are way stronger than the really? first one. Really? Yeah. No, man, that first one really threw me off. Mm. But okay. Um, well, we've both kind of talked about stuff we like. What What do you love about this, if there's anything? If you had to, if you had to say one thing you love about it, and I'll say one thing I hate about it. Hmm. Um, I would say that it, I mean... It's not what I expected, but it's it's pretty refreshing because it does taste it is to me. It tastes like top, like I said, top of club soda. Mm-hmm. But objectively speaking, as a beverage, that makes something more refreshing. I'm gonna take one more drink because I was, as you were speaking, I was trying to think of something I hate. I'm not sure that there is one, but I'm gonna go fishing. Um, I'm not gonna say that I hate the color. That's a bit of a cop out. Um, also, it's racist. You want to just fill some time? Mention the can. It's pretty similar to the first one. Yeah, very geometric. Lots of. More triangle themed on this one, just uh, like overlapping triangles, things like that. Purple with white lines, pretty eye grabbing, really. It's got a nice, simple, clean. They really separate the actual graphic from all the information and stuff, which mm-hmm. is nice. It's very kind of compartmentalized into to three parts, not unlike our movie this week. Nice yeah, it's a nice looking can. Okay, well done. Uh, there's a salinity that I don't love. In fact, I hate it. Whoa. Yeah, there, there, there is something that's almost like a savory saltiness kind of on the back end. And I'm, I'm nitpicking here, but if I had to say I hate something, that's what it is. It takes away from the tasty sweetness and the fruitiness of the rest of the drinking experience. Well, good enough. That said, still super dig Brambleberry. Johnny, you first. We'll get the negative out of the way. Out of 10, my friend. I got 4.5. All right. 4.5 in the notes. For me, it's a 7. I think it's pretty tasty. Uh, how much was this one? Six ninety nine. All right, yeah, I would prefer to pay that for this than the first beer. Good enough. Do you have anything else on Brambleberry? Yeah, underwhelming. That's all. You already said that. Do you have anything new to say, sir? Nah. All right, let's go into Hot and Bother. What do you think? 
Let's do it. Hot Welcome to Hot and Bothered, the portion of the show where we maybe, maybe won't talk about movies and or beer. I will not be this week. I'll tell you that. What about you? You got anything, movies or beer? Uh, No movies, no beer. Okay, then I'm going to start. I've got two things that I want to talk about, and I will start with um, the most indulgent of the two, which is uh, over the past couple of years, I've, I've hearted a bunch of TikTok recipes. Like p- people on TikTok will be like, try this food experiment. And I've liked probably hundreds of these videos, and I've never once made them. So I decided I'm going to go back and make a couple of these. So I've made about five or six, maybe seven this week. Now, Buffalo... Yeah, I so heard about this. so who by for me? Yeah, we talked about this. Did we? Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. So I made a few things. Um, most of them, and this is a props to the internet situation, have been pretty good. We made. Um, I'm gonna fix this table. I don't know if anyone's Sorry, hearing that. I'm it's, gonna it's not, not your fault. It. I should have the table not squeak when you put your arms on it. Um, one was like a spicy fried chicken sandwich. Super good. One was something you tried today. It was like a snack mix. It was like pretzels and saltine crackers and Cheez-Its in a, a, a like an oil kind of seasoning that I baked. I love it. Yeah, it was good. The you one liked I had, it as well. I couldn't eat a too lot. Much. Right. Um, I made sort of a big batch of ground turkey burritos, which are really great. I love ground turkey. I do too, man. And it's super healthy. I made it, like the sauce. It's like a cheesy kind of thing, but it's made with like cottage cheese mm-hmm. and like macaroni and cheese powder. And with other stuff, but yeah. it, it's supposed to be like low fat and like high protein kind of thing. That was great. Um, did I did a bunch of stuff, but the point is if you've done that on TikTok, make some of the recipes. I'm going to make like this Parmesan steak pasta at some point. Okay. I bought all the stuff. Nice. I just got to make it. That's fun. It was super fun. Plus it's fun. Like experiment. It's always fun experimenting in the kitchen. Totally. Um, what wasn't great was the, um, it was Okay. But I made like a sourdough bread bowl type sandwich. Oh, where you I, told me about yeah, that. I told you about this one where you hollow out the bread, just kind of keep the shell, and then you do layers of like. Sounds gross when you say it, but it looked good on the video. Dijon mustard, um, sautéed mushrooms with all the moisture gone, and like a steak, and mm-hmm. then keep layering it, and then you smash it down overnight with a bunch of heavy stuff on top, and then you eat it. It's like this really dense kind of 18th century hunter's kind of steak, and it's really good. Um, but it wasn't as good as the other stuff. So in in comparison. It's not good. Fair enough. Oh, and then we made one set of like overnight pickles. Yeah. That yeah. were disgusting. Apple cider vinegar. It's my, I should just stop making stuff with apple cider Use vinegar. White vinegar. Yeah. Um, for the most part, though, pretty good stuff. Nice. So that was one of the things that I had going for me this past week. I look forward to hearing more about your kitchen exploits. Yeah. Thanks, man. That's rad. Uh, what you got? Give me, give me, give me one thing. Um, so. As is well documented, I'm the television program guy. No, I don't like this. I don't like when you say that because I also watch TV, man. I watch shows. I'm I'm up to date on stuff. I I watch. watch, I'm cool. I'm more shows than movies, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. There had to be a TV guy for this between the two of us. Yeah. Yeah, All right. Good point. What have you What have you been watching? Um. So I recently caught up on a show that's been on my radar for a while, but I haven't been able to really invest enough time in. Had that time, had some R&R this weekend, and really dug my teeth into Reservation Dogs. Oh, cool. Uh, are you familiar? I've heard of it. That's um, about it. So it is um, an indigenous American teen kind of comedy drama. Uh, it was created by Sterling Harjo and Taika Waititi for FX. Cool. Uh, and Taika is one of the executive producers. I'm not sure how much of a hand he has in it other than just 
executive producing. He wrote a lot of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So it's got that kind of um, wit and just great dialogue, but it it follows around these Native American youths. Did they at least use white actors for the roles? Obviously not. It's all natives, <laughs> um, written, cool. directed, uh, and acted by some amazing, some relatively unknown, some um, semi-known. Like you'll recognize Wes Studi. He's been in a lot of things. Um, but it is a very compelling look at life, not only on a reservation, but just life as a Native American teenager without um, just being bombarded by reductive tropes. Like it's, yeah. it's really well-written drama and it's fantastically acted and it's dealing with really heavy stuff. It's, you know, suicide and, and poverty and crime. And it's done in such a way it's, it's written and acted so gracefully and with care that it's not uh, pigeonholing anything. And it's, there's no shitty stereotypes like every other in the past that has been about Native American culture and youth. Well, I feel like you should, like, if you're talking about West Duty, mm-hmm. um, like you could mention, like, specifically with those stereotypes like he was in dances with wolves mm-hmm. and like hostiles and like he plays like you know the savage yeah um so it's nice to hear that they're doing something that is a little which makes sense for taika waititi he's really good especially with like new zealand um natives like mm-hmm. really good about uh native representation total representation yeah 100 percent. yeah and it's cool because like i grew up i'm you know that's kind of my background sure uh so it was really cool can i ask how, how that um Asian comedian Bobby Lee comes into play. He works. He's a doctor at the Indian Health Clinic. I hate that guy. As <laughs> as stand up goes, I he's, think he's terribly unfunny. He is minimally in this show, okay, so don't cool. let that be a reason for this to be off putting. Because uh, as far as TV shows, I think this is one you could really gravitate towards. Okay, Hulu. Yeah, cool. Yep, it is on Hulu. All right. Um, so I recently got a gym membership. This has happened a few times over the course of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when we started the show, I was at the gym that I just re-upped on, which is the Chico Sports Club right here in town. Um, and I've been going to spin class, which I've gone three times now. And spin, if you don't know, is basically as a young person what you can do if you want to feel really bad about being in shape. Because mm-hmm. everybody that goes, at least at this gym, is twice my age. Maybe not quite, but like 50s and older. And they kick my ass ass at spin (laughs) and like it's just it's just sitting on a stationary bike and pedaling to music at different intensity levels and for an hour and i when we stop recording today i'm gonna have a hard time standing up (laughs) because they really go for it and it's one of those things that it's kind of like a self-accountability where it's like all right like find your it's it's like a scale of one to ten in difficulties like find your four we're gonna start pedaling at four and like you kind of gotta hold yourself to like all right i guess this is a four and it's like all right we're now we're gonna go to a nine plus Jesus. So not quite at your maximum effort but like you do i sweat so much yeah i was um so dehydrated earlier today <laughs> um but the upside is like i feel chipper today yeah. i feel really great um i spent some time in steam rooms which i haven't done in many months here in chico um finding a bit of a routine has been really nice and everybody's really really nice i was kind of like feeling a little bit apprehensive going in the first day like i don't know i don't know anybody like it's weird it's 9 a.m on a saturday like but then you go in and everyone's like hey welcome to spin like nice to see you here's my name yeah all right cool like everybody's very welcoming that's awesome um so i'm exploring that right now i love that yeah i've got one more day before i have to i'm going to reno next week so i'm gonna go on saturday and then 
my goal is to, and I hope you can hold me to this, is like doing it again once I get back. Because mm. it's easy to do it a few times. Mm -hmm. Then if you lose that momentum, it's hard to pick it up. So when I'm going to try back? to do it. I get back on Thursday, so I'm going to try to go Saturday again. Okay. So we'll see. But that's spin class for me. Uh, and it's uh, been a lot. It's very, very hard. <laughs> yeah. But it's fun. It's been nice. I like it. You got anything else for this? Um, we're still keeping up with Game of Thrones, but we're going to do yeah. a whole recap. Yeah. When that's done, haven't delved into Lord of the Rings yet. Still. Me neither. Yeah, me neither. Um, and the next thing that I'm really kind of binging right now is Better Call Saul. Just started mm. season one. First time? Yep. Yeah, I've never seen it. But uh, it's really good. Yeah, that's what so. I've heard. Are you going to watch Minuscule Valley of the Lost Dance? I am. Do I it. got the recommendation. You're going to like it. Yeah, I need to sit down and watch that. Like it's it's like I, I think it's less than 90 minutes, dude. It's like 65 minutes or something. Just watch it. All right. Like you're going to love it. <laughs> and I don't understand the logic, and which is not that I'm criticizing you of having done this, but like if you think about it for two seconds, I'm telling you, there's something you will love that will make your life better. There's no reason not to just do it tonight. Like, just go put it on. Deal. And you will thank me. See what I can That's do. That's it. All right. It's so good. This is coming, by the way, if you haven't heard last week's episode off of our Marcel the Shell yeah. conversation. Tiny things are cute as fuck. They are. And we talked about I'm like- Grinning just thinking about yeah, like Marcel. Marcel, minuscule. He's so cute. I was joking about the borrowers, but like like little stuff. If, I don't know what it is about humans, but we like little tiny things. Little miniatures. And, Especially and, when they're cute and anthropomorphized. Totally. And yeah. you talked about a, a, an animated series last week called... Uh, Primal. Was it Primal? Yeah. Where they don't speak. Mm -hmm. And they don't speak in minuscule and they're tiny. And oh. it's kind of animated. Do they make cute little noises though? It's the whole movie's noises, dude. Yes. It's great. It's so good. And All I've right. been wanting you to watch this for like two and a half years. <laughs> and I, I recently rewatched it. And oh my it's just as good as I is remember. It, where is it streaming like for uh, free? Prime. Sick. Yeah. I think it's right. on Prime. So good. All right, I'll try and make it happen. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you have anything else? No, I think I'm there, man. This was a good episode. Yeah, it was. All right. As usual, the show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi. Special thanks to all of our folks on Patreon. Uh, if you live here in Chico or nearby, go check out the handlebar. They got a happy hour seven days a week. You heard the ad at the beginning of the episode. And my name is Max Minardi. My name is Johnny Summers. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you and your listenership every single week. We couldn't do it without you. Uh, watch some good stuff, whatever it is. Let watch Minuscule, Valley watch, of the Ants. Do that. Or what, Barbarian, what Max for real. Said. Have you started it? Oh, I thought you said Primal. Barbar no. Yeah, watch no, that. No, watch Minuscule and yeah. watch watch Barbarian. Yeah. It's so good. Try these beers, maybe. Go sure. to s, &S. Yeah. Uh, most importantly, be good to each other. We'll see you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.